here in the 06010. Fantasy. Fantasy. Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. It's Friday, November 17th, and it's time for a fantasy football preview of week 11. I am Field Yates. With Stefania Bell, it's you and I going solo for right now. Hi, Liz Loza joining in just a little bit because so today ought to be a national holiday. Is it Daniel Dobbs' birthday? That's right. Yeah. It's his birthday. Yeah. He is in New York. He is living yeah. the good life right now. He is probably at the Photoshop that he brought up yesterday. <laughs> he mentioned it like I was supposed to know what it actually is. I am not much of a photography buff, Stefania, so believe it or not. I don't know what I it w- is. You Enlighten probably do. Me. Uh, no? B&H Photoshop? I don't know. You're cultured. You probably no. would know this. All right, anyways, I'm not Daniel a good Dobbs. photographer, but happy birthday, Daniel Dobbs. Our fearless leader, the captain of this ship on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to do my best to try to keep the ship afloat for the next 10 or so minutes with Stefania. And then Liz Loza will be joining us here to do the rest of the preview. Last night, Stefania, yep. kept you busy. As normally what we're doing during these preview <laughs> podcasts on the injuries is going through the notable ones that are tied to Sunday or Monday night games. But last night we had... A football game mixed in with like a mosh pit because players left and right were going down. Let's go. Let's begin with Joe Burrow because uh, this one was one where it was pretty easy to tell, even when you're not a doctor or have no medical history like me, that he was in a whole bunch of pain. What's going on there? Yeah. So I think everyone, we saw him go down. Jadavian Clowney tackled him in the second quarter. He looked uncomfortable when he got up immediately, kind of shaking his hand out, but then throws a four yard touchdown pass to Joe Mixon. So. That's fine. Mm. But then we see him on the sideline later trying to throw the ball and clearly in so much pain like that. You you can't fake. I mean, he he dropped his arm immediately when he tried to throw. He goes into the locker room early, ends up being ruled out for the rest of the game, does not play at all. After that, it was Jake Browning going forward. And we were told that it was a wrist injury. That's all we knew. Well, here's the thing. Wrist injury, what is that? It, it's so vague, right? Because where your your wrist is, all the tendons from your forearm cross your wrist. So it could mm. be anything up in the forearm, up that attaches to the elbow. It can be any of the small ligaments that stabilize your wrist and hand. It could be anything at the base of the hand, the thumb, the finger. Like, who is to know? It's a very generic way of classifying the injury. Where it starts to get interesting is that There was a video Mm. uh, that was posted by the team of Joe Burrow getting off the team bus, I believe. And he could be seen wearing something around his hand. Now, it was very blurry. I don't profess to be able to tell you exactly what it was, but it looked like one of these little wrist wraps that supports your thumb. That video was then later deleted. So start all the conspiracy theories. But the reality is, in all seriousness, and we we talked about this already once this year when there was a question about player injury status. If a player has an injury that becomes known to the team prior to the game, the team's required to file that report with the league office. We saw it when Patrick Mahomes developed illness in Denver, and we found out right before the game. Uh, There was no such report filed. Uh, It was as if Joe Burrow was healthy entering the game. But Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the league, as is customary, is now looking into whether the Bengals were compliant related to any sort of pre-injury 
for Joe Burrow. In the meantime, he is scheduled for an MRI today. We will find out hopefully more about the injury, but it's impossible to project anything because the details just aren't there yet. Uh, so they do have an extra three days this week. That perhaps helps a little bit. But if no, they've already had their bye week and every team is playing in week 12. So if mm-hmm. we have a situation where you have to replace Joe Burrow, if there is a silver lining, there are lots of other options available with nobody on a bye next week. Much more on Burrow and the Bengals in just a few minutes. Lamar Jackson appears to have dodged a bullet divine. He briefly left the yeah. game, but stayed on the field, gutted it out, and had one of his better fantasy performances of the season. Yeah, he did. He left briefly after getting tackled. Looked like he was hobbling yep. his ankle. He was tackled around the ankle. Uh, then you could see him. He was being evaluated. Then he was running up and down the sideline, testing it. Came back, did not miss any plays, but later in the game when he was tackled again, and even once just running on his own, he appeared to uh, stumble a little bit, looked like he didn't have good control of the ankle and came away limping. So don't be surprised if you see him on the injury report, but obviously his ability to finish the game, very good news for the Ravens. More on him again in just a few moments, but unfortunately the worst news of the night, at least that we have available right now, Stefania, is Mark Andrews left after not even one full drive two catches and you knew right away it was a big bad yeah, injury. Yeah, he knew right away. Yeah. I mean, if you saw him go down, uh, it was one of these hip drop tackles. We've talked about this before. It's something that's being looked at by the NFL uh, because those tackles in 2022, when they looked at the data, had a 25 times injury rate relative to other tackles. So it's Eesh. certainly something that's in the conversation. But what ends up happening is the weight of the defender comes down on that trapped ankle uh, and it can lead to ankle or knee problems. We've seen it before. In fact, Devon Achan, who we'll talk about in a minute, was at a, the recipient of one of those types of tackles. So uh, Mark Andrews pounding the ground after not getting up right away. And after the game, uh, Coach John Harbaugh saying he had a form of a high ankle injury, said it was serious, his season likely over. Mm. But he also said a form of high ankle injury, but more than a sprain. So what does that mean? Well, there are varying degrees of high ankle sprains. We've talked about that. But in the most severe cases, you can actually injure beyond the ankle sprain at the high ankle, the syndesmosis, we call it. You can end up with a fibula fracture. You can end up with damage to ligaments on the inside of the joint, the deltoid ligament. So there are a range of possibilities. He was on crutches afterward. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear more, but hopefully for him, uh, a complete recovery. That's uh, at the end of the day. That's what we hope for. Yeah, sucks. Tremendous player, Pro Bowl, All Pro level talents, and plays a position in fantasy where there is very little depth. Uh, the more important thing is Mark's health. But if you have him on your roster, you are in a pickle going forward. Oof. Justin Tough. Jefferson, Stefania, the face of fantasy football coming into the season, eligible to play on Sunday. Do we think he will, or probably not? I think probably not. Yeah, uh, the clue, the contextual clues are there. Um, everything that he has said has been about being a hundred percent when he returns to the extent that you can determine that and all his practices have been limited so he's still not doing full practices it would shock me if they would activate him and put him in a game in denver where we've talked about how altitude can affect soft tissue health it's easy to get dehydrated and he's still working on his conditioning quite frankly getting back to football he said that he is this is his quote just making sure that after work i'm not too sore and achy so you know he's testing every day and then kind of assessing with recovery how he's doing I think uh, the smart money says that he's going to be at least next week, which we mentioned before is a Monday night football game against the Bears. 
Or if he doesn't play then, they have a bye in week 13. He would return week 14. Okay, so probably not in week 11. Devon Achan, though, Stefania has a different tenor to his outlook for this week. Yeah, Devon Achan is coming back. I yeah. strongly believe. I mean, he's had two limited practices, but yeah. everything about the way uh, Mike McDaniel's presenting his situation is that they're ramping him back up and getting him ready to play. And they may have, at the outset of this, put him on IR knowing that might that might have been a gratuitous amount of oh, time needed for his so. injury. Yeah. So yeah. they were erring on the side of caution. He is back. Back. We'll talk about his outlook a little bit later on in the show, but you're playing Devon Achan. We talked about this yesterday as well, because have you seen what he's done in 43 touches? He was <laughs> RB1, RB5, and RB4 in three weeks prior to the injury. And even if he reprises that role of being the the 1B, if you will, next to He Mozart, could have eight touches and score 25 he, points. He was doing that when yeah. he put up over 200 yards in one he's game. He's yeah. absurd. Uh, Justin Fields, Stefania, sounds like he'll be back this week. Yeah, that dislocated right thumb is yep. what cost him all the time. And last week, he was not medically cleared to return, still limited in practice this week. Full practices, everything Iberflus said, on track to return, barring any kind of setback. Okay, and they played the Lions, which, did you know, Bears-Lions will be the first game in over 40 years where three separate sets of brothers are all on the field opposing each other. Uh, the St. Browns. St. Browns, we've got the Sewells, uh, Pete and, and Noah, and then, gosh, I should know this. I bet Pulse can figure it out, or somebody can think of this by the time. The uh, there's are. a third set, uh, and of course, it's evading me right now, but three separate That's sets cool. of brothers all on the field. It should be a family not affair, uh, not the Kelsey's. They are playing on Monday <laughs> night instead. Uh, one more here, Stefania, is uh, Pat Fryermuth, yep. who the Steelers... Very transparent about where things are at with injuries. So what are they telling us about his likelihood of returning on Sunday? Well, it sounds like he's on track as long as there's no setback. You know, this is a guy who had a hamstring injury that they thought was just going to be a couple weeks. And then in a practice session, ended up aggravating it, which is why they placed him on injured reserve. His practice window opened. His quote was that he feels amazing. So as long as he continues to feel amazing heading into the weekend, I think Pat Frymerth comes back. You know why I forgot the, the third set of brothers? Why? Romeo and Julian, Julian Aquara, who both play for the Lions. So I guess every week the Lions have a set of brothers that are playing together on the field. But Pat Frymuth sounds like he will be good to go. And that is, I suppose, good news for the Steelers passing game. You know, the big thing with the Steelers this weekend, though, is if you look at their matchup with the Browns, what have teams tried to do this year against Cleveland? run the football. Why bother passing the football against that defense with how good it has been this and year? who knows what the offense is going to look like. Yes. I mean, it's a, they've got a new quarterback starting for them with Deshaun Watson. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Sounds like, by the way, Joe Flacco may be on his way to yeah, Cleveland. We I have, saw photo evidence, right? Uh, yes. Uh, last uh, last quick one here, Stefania. Yeah. I emphasize quick. Uh, the, uh, the racetrack in Las Vegas, officially questionable for the race tomorrow night? Yes. I, it was undergoing surgical repair is what I heard. That seems like an ideal thing about yeah. 36 Might hours have to away tap from into Dave uh, Presley and oh find out the status. My God, oh. yeah. I'm, I'm not, not the F1 junkie here relative to certainly your passion and Liz's passion, uh, but man, that uh, is not ideal when you not are just the way 36. You want to start off. I wonder how locals feel. I know exactly how they feel. They have voiced their <laughs> frustrations. Great stuff, as always, from Stefania. You'll see here Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to uh, to 1 p.m. Eastern time, all on ESPN2 and Fantasy right. Football. Now we'll talk to you then. Okay. Thank you, as always. All right, Liz will be with us in just a second, but first. Home, auto, prize sports memorabilia, whatever you need to protect, Geico can help get you covered. And with the award-winning Geico mobile app, you can get 24-7 claim support and on-the-go policy access. It's easy to Geico. Go to geico.com today. And one more for the people. 
Level up your game day with Vivid Seats and get great tickets to the biggest games of the year. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. Daniel, did you get one of those? They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. Experience it live. All right, we are back here, and hello to Liz Loza. Hello, Field Yates. Uh, Liz, congratulations. You're going to have the rest of the show to yourself. I'm taking off. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we have plenty to dig into we for this do. part two preview. We do. It's great to have you back. Thank we got you. another day, and you have Monday as well with us, plus mm-hmm. in studio on Sunday. Yes. You have been in Connecticut for like 48 hours. <laughs> How are you holding up in that regard? Before we dive into the fantasy I stuff. Am fa- I mean, look at me. I've dressed like a tourist. I'm ready for you to take me apple picking. Did you know that that was on the agenda for today? Well, it's a good day. We have unseasonably warm weather yeah. for November 17th. It's 63 degrees here today in Connecticut. Perhaps we will go pick some of the leftover apples that are now available. And now your family can make pie for Thanksgiving next week. That and you are welcome. That is a great idea. That's a great idea. My daughter loves to cook. It's just she doesn't oh. actually understand like what we're doing. She just eats whatever she shouldn't be eating, right? Like cake batter she really wants to get in that cake batter i mean let me tell you no matter how old you get cake batter still oh, of gonna course be good, no right? doubt there are some times i've dug into some cake batter yes indeed so <laughs> we have a busy show week. we are going to start with our thursday night football recap list i am going to let you guide the ship from here okay. i am going to be a part of it but you okay. are daniel dot for the remaining portion of this show take it away well we have similar hair so let's yes, start yours might be shorter than his uh, but uh, it, it is shorter than his <laughs> It is, it is literally shorter than his, which is... And so am I. Yeah. But, yes. but uh, if you're talking about coming up short, the Bengals Ooh, did do that, that on it. Thursday night. Now, obviously, you and Stefania both discussed the numerous injur- injuries that happened to both teams. But let's start on the winning side. Lamar Jackson, because he won both for the Ravens and for fantasy managers, topped 20 fantasy points yeah. for the first time since, what, that Detroit game, right? Week seven? Yep. Back-to-back-to-back to back to back games, 14 points or fewer for mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. So a nice redemptive bounce-back effort for Lamar. And, you know, we were thinking this year, Liz, that coming into the season, there was a chance for Lamar to, like, reemerge as quarterback one. Hasn't happened yet. Based off what we've seen from the passing offense this year, I'm not totally convinced it will. And losing Mark Andrews obviously hurts as well. But a good sort of classic Lamar night, perhaps the most encouraging part about scoring 24 fantasy points for Lamar Jackson, zero rushing touchdowns. Yes. Usually he scrapes that upside when he has a rushing touchdown or two. He did it last night because he had 264 passing yards and two touchdowns in part because Odell Beckham Jr. Turned back the clock last night, Liz. I I mean, the eye test. So Odell ends up playing a healthy number of snaps again last night. He had seven targets. He turned that into four catches for 116 yards. The stats are good, Liz, but I thought the eye test was the most important part for OBJ. Like OBJ looked Fast and explosive, like I haven't seen him look in quite some time. I was encouraged by their performance last night. Are you encouraged enough now, noting the absence of Mark Andrews and the fact that OBJ has gone over double digits or has managed double digits fantasy points for three straight games yeah. to now rank him higher, anticipating increased volume? I think the gap between he and Zay Flowers has been dramatically narrowed. I, I can take it right to Zay from there because I love the player. And if he has that screen pass that Ugh. was called back because of an Odell Beckham Jr. We saw the explosiveness. Sketchy, yes. Sketchy, sketchy holding call on OBJ. But if that play counts, we're talking about Zay Flowers in a very different light. But Zay Flowers 
is headed for his fifth straight finish as wide receiver 28th or worse. Mm-hmm. I get it. There's only been one game, so he could finish higher than that, but he had eight fantasy points last night. He hasn't hit 20 fantasy points in a game yet this season, and he hasn't had eight targets in a game since week six. The target volume has dropped. Just the 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 touchdowns have never been there. He's got one so far this season, Liz. This is a classic case of like a way better real life player than fantasy football up to this point of the season, to the point where all of a sudden I think that the gap between Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers is going to be narrower. And OBJ in a deeper league is going to be squarely on the flex radar because of the past three games. Well, would you agree that the top of the season production for Zay Flowers was affected by some rust that OBJ was, I think we can now agree, shaking yeah, off? Totally. Yep. And Bateman's various, I think he had a foot issue, right? Yeah. Nelson Aguilar with the best hands in the game. I know. Fair Both of them scored well, last night. Right. Unbelievable, right? Like the two touchdown passes, of course, go to Nelson Aguilar on, on a pass that was not even intended for him. Like, quirkiest play in quite some time but yeah so this Ravens wide receiver room all of a sudden may have two options that are going to be Mm -hmm. startable especially because Liz I think one of the biggest questions people are going to be asking this week on waivers is is Isaiah likely a must add spend the rest of your fab if you have the number one waiver pick do it yeah I'm not so sure that's the case Liz you don't think it's the case because the passing volume is so low and the rushing volume is so high. How about and this? you saw Gus Edwards catch a pass out wide I last know. How night. about that? <laughs> Gus Edwards. We'll talk about him in a moment. But how about this? Uh, remember week one, Mark Andrews missed the season sure. opener. I feel like that's gone like sort of under the radar because it's so far removed from where we are right now. But Isaiah likely has basically played two full games without Mark Andrews as Andrews got hurt in the first drive mm-hmm. last night. of the snaps in week one, 74% of the snaps last night. That's not a literal full-time player, but it's pretty darn close to it within the course of a game. In those two games, he has one catch for four four yards and Mm -hmm. three targets. So waiver wire is likely a trap heading into... Week um, 12. So I think he still should be rostered. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so few guys that are available that you're like, well, I can't grab Isaiah likely, but I, do I really want to turn to Tyler Conklin? Like, I just, I think that what, what, where I'm comfortable going is that the idea that likely is 50, 60, 70, 75% of Mark mm-hmm. Andrews is to me more mirage than reality. He still should be at it. He still will be on the waiver wire column that Eric Moody writes. I'm sure this week, but I'm not so sure that we have this plug-and-play starter that we had at times last season right? and that I think people imagine Isaiah likely to be because he has been a preseason darling. And a different offense. We are working with a different offensive coordinator, which yep. is what I alluded to. And I do think then we have to talk about Gus Edwards because he scored two more touchdowns. And yesterday we talked about how that was maybe a little bit, a little bit improbable, yet the data bared out that the odds were in his favor what happened. I want to talk about these running backs because I do think without Mark Andrews, we are going to see if the Ravens can lean even more into the run. Yeah, scary I mean, They're already thought. doing do it, that? Yeah. right? This is an opportunity. And Keaton Mitchell, by the way, he's definitely surpassed just, Justice Hill on the depth chart. He's the number two. Yep. Gus Edwards still the lead back. Yeah, Justice Hill sort of, per- he's, it's not a non-factor anymore. I think he had yeah. one total carry last night. So you cannot worry about Justice Hill as far as your running back rankings are concerned. And if you look at the snaps played, it's basically the same role for Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell with one very important 
distinction. Gus Edwards last night plays 25 snaps. He has 12 carries. Keaton Mitchell plays 24 snaps. He has eight carries. So Mm. the carry edge obviously goes to Gus Edwards. He has at least 10 in every game since J.K. Dobbins got hurt. But two short touchdowns go to Gus Edwards, the Gus bus, who continues to roll along with eight touchdowns over his past four games. That's absurd. The guy just keeps scoring touchdowns. It's nuts He's breaking right now. the mold. I can Mike imagine that Mike Clay is losing his mind. In, yeah, it's got to be. Fantasy managers also probably lost their mind when they saw Jamar Chase finally connect I know. with Jake Browning know. at the very final moments of the fourth quarter. Hey, this is yeah. why you don't sit Jamar Chase. This is why he is unsittable. He is unsittable, that's for sure. He winds up with just 9.2 fantasy points, but it could have been worse if he had not caught that late, basically garbage time yeah. touchdown. But... Um, Things make me nervous now for this Bengals offense if something's wrong with Joe Burrow. We know it's something's wrong. If something is wrong to the point that he can't play going forward. Part of why they looked, I think, a little bit disheveled last night was just the fact that there was no T. Higgins, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a huge part of their offense. But T. Higgins has also been like inconsistent himself this season. And we know that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are like a walking top five passing offense by themselves. But if there's no Joe Burrow... You're still going to play Jamar Chase, but we went down this path early in the season when it looked like there was a chance that Joe Burrow would miss week one because of the calf injury. Mm -hmm. It was like Jamar Chase would be more like wide receiver 18 or 19 in our rankings as opposed to where he was coming into last night's game, which in a bad matchup against the Ravens was lower than usual, but still a top five option. I thought Jake Browning was fine last night. Serviceable. Serviceable. But when you go from, I don't know, top five fantasy quarterback to whatever Jake Browning would be in our weekly rankings, probably like sure. 21, 22. Then all of a sudden the outlook for Jamar Chase is a lot less favorable going forward. So we are really hoping, really hoping that Joe Burrow is back next week. Do you know they play next week? Uh, Steelers. Of course they play the Steelers yes. because the Steelers only play mediocre quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the way, weirdest thing ever. The luck of the Tomlin. Let's talk about Joe Mixon though, because if we are... Think who scored last night. Yep. Um, if we are thinking there are fewer passing opportunities, although I think Tyler Boyd might actually do a little bit better with yeah. Browning under center because uh, of the short yardage option that he provides. Possible. But we know that Mixon is a really efficient pass catcher, pretty yeah. efficient through the air. Yeah. I think that's a note about him that goes under the radar. Um, a little more opportunity for him now. Yeah. He Even if a- his, if, I mean, he's also never been a particularly efficient rusher. Right. Yeah. But, a lot of volume for Joe, which has been yeah. kind of the, the case throughout the season. Sure. Inefficiency had been the problem, but he was efficient last night, which yeah. is why he turned those opportunities. He got 16 carries, to be specific, into 21 total fantasy points for the evening. He is right there, squarely in like that, depending on the week, RB8 to RB12 consideration going into the week, every single week in our rankings. He's now fourth in the NFL in total touches this season. So Joe Mixon is a very, very busy man. Any last closing thoughts from you on this game? I think that this has wrapped pretty much everything up. Um, again, I'm keeping an eye on Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins' um, potential return, but Mixon moving forward. All right, more on our Week 11 preview in just a couple of moments. Liz Lowe's and Field Yates hang out here on Fantasy Focus. All right, and we're back. Vikings running backs versus the Broncos. Liz, let's take it away. What do we think? Well, we got to talk about Ty Chandler because he was the most popular waiver wire ad this week. 45%, I believe, of ESPN Fantasy users added Ty Chandler. Crazy. Coming into week 10, we expected to see more volume with Cam Akers done for the season, and he did get a lot, though I think it was boosted by Alexander Madison's early exit due to the concussion. Madison 
still hasn't cleared the concussion protocol. He has yeah, today, Friday, yeah. to do it, right? He has to practice in full today on Friday. Um, Ty Chandler put a career day together, I believe 15 carries for 49 in his first career touchdown. Yep, yep. with another one called back as well. That's a good point. Um, I think we should, let's, let's, let's start here. Okay. We don't think that Madison's going to play. No. It's unlikely based off the fact that he remains in concussion protocol and it's Friday at what 1123 mm-hmm. a.m. on the East Coast. So let's talk about what it would mean for Ty Chandler. Let's start here. Uh, do you know the rest of the Vikings depth chart right now at running back? Uh, I know they just added Miles Gaskin. Yeah, so he's back in the practice squad with Dwayne McBride in the practice squad. And then uh, Ken Wanwu, Kenneth Wanwu, uh, draft pick from uh, Iowa State a couple of seasons mm-hmm. ago, excellent on special teams has barely played in the NFL. So uh, you were talking about, and Wanwu, by the way, had uh, six snaps. Kenne Wanwu had uh, three snaps last week. My apologies. So I overestimated by double. So um, (laughs) this sets up as maybe not, um, maybe not like Derrick Henry type workload for Ty Chandler, but he's got a real chance at 15 to 20 carries or opportunities total against a Broncos team that, as we have talked about, in a lot of ways has been better in recent weeks, but still dead last in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to opposing running backs this season. And while last also week coming off a short week, coming off of a short week playing on Sunday night football, can't wait for this game all of a sudden out mm-hmm. of nowhere, but they let 178 rushing yards, to the bills backs last week. So this bill's defense can be run on. If the Vikings are committed to running on this, this, this Broncos, Broncos defense, defense, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, then this could be a reasonable day for Ty Chandler. He is my RB 20 for the week. I reminded people as well earlier in the week when we were talking about him, he was a fifth round pick a year ago, played at Tennessee, then finished at UNC, ran a four three eight forty, so a pretty good back. And as we have seen time and again in the NFL, if there is a position where a player can come from basically nowhere and be a pretty capable starter, it remains running Looks back. Good last week too. He did. Yeah, That's the, the eye test. test was it was good to him. So I like Chandler as a top twenty back consideration this week. Last note on the backfield in Minnesota, yep. because I think it's relevant with what we just what you just discussed with Stefania about Justin Jefferson likely yep. not coming back this yep. week. Um, they have not been efficient as a group okay. yet. Now there is a mobile quarterback under center yeah. in Josh Dobbs, right? Yep. QB two in rush attempts, I believe, per week, or at least in rushing yards. Yep. Does that improve the efficiency potentially for Chandler? Maybe elevating him beyond the low-end RB2 area to a solid, we feel comfortable RB2. I don't think it hurts because what it does when you have a mobile quarterback is it changes the math of the defense, right? You all of a sudden have to be responsible for an defense extra math. player on Forget every... Girl yes, math. Girl math, boy math. <laughs> worry about defense math, right? Like uh, when Tom Brady is back there, I guess he's retired, but you know, whatever. Whoever the most statuesque quarterback, Matthew Stafford is back there. You don't have to worry about uh, him being a factor in the running right. game. Josh Dobbs, you do. So uh, it does not hurt Ty Chandler's outlook for Sunday. Um, We'll see just how efficient he will be as a runner after, you know, a a decent performance on the ground. But as we know, with Alexander Madison, part of his allure this year has not been the efficiency. It's just been the fact that he's getting the Joe Mixon treatment all the time volume. So a big opportunity here for Ty Chandler for as long as Alexander Madison is out. So if Alexander Madison is out and we're making that assumption, let's yep. make the assumption then that, as I just mentioned, Justin Jefferson is out, also out. which yep. then make, leads me to want to ask you about your expectations for Jordan Addison, a player that we were both high on, but I'm going to give you because you snaked him from me Sorry. in the focus draft. Uh, or did I get him from you? I think you got him I got away a, from I, me. You got Olave, yeah. and so yeah. I got you Addison. You came back and around and you were like, this, this is like yeah. an evening Though out thing. You're things. crushing yes. me in that league. 
Um, my team has kind of hit the skids recently, so oh, I don't, so I don't want to brag. I'm not going to lie because okay. there's not much to brag about these days. <laughs> um, I've got Addison as wide receiver 31. So this Broncos defense has really rounded into form as we know over the past few weeks. And mm-hmm. as we discussed on Tuesday morning, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen combined for one passing touchdown and four picks over the last two games for the Broncos. So, uh, this secondary has Pat Sertan, the second who looks like Pat Sertan, the second all mm-hmm. of a sudden. So this is not like this terrible cake, uh, you know, cakewalk defense that they are facing. I've got Madison as wide receiver 31. Uh, he has at least 10 fantasy points in every game, but one this year, he's second in the NFL and receiving touchdowns. He's third in the NFL and end zone targets. Like he hits a couple of key metrics, good player. Um, we saw last week though, and the week prior to that, really like the passing game has been less explosive for players not named TJ Hawkinson since Kirk Cousins got hurt. That's why he's a wide receiver 31 as opposed to maybe 25 or 21. Um, interestingly, only Tyreek Hill has one more receiving touchdown than Jordan Addison. Crazy, right? Right. Who would have thought that? I mean, I think maybe Christian Watson investors were hoping that is that, that a, would be is the that a subtle jab at Mike Clay? It's okay if it is. I have never been on that hype train. Mike certainly loves it. Packers apparently Twitter comes I, at me all the time. Apparently you and I play each other in, oh, do we? Uh, in week 12 in the uh, Fantasy Focus League. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Ooh, happy Thanksgiving to both of that us. That apple huh? pie is going to be delicious. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. So let, should we talk about the Giants here a little let's bit? Let's do it, yeah. All right, let's talk about Saquon Barkley because okay. while we're talking about these running backs and potential, there are some concerns potentially for Saquon Barkley, right? He had this elbow injury that kept him out weeks three to five. He's been dealing with this ankle issue. I don't want to yeah. call it an injury yeah. necessarily, but... Managing it. He is also the only bright spot He's on the this only Giants one. offense. Yeah. And we know that Tommy DeVito is probably going to need a safety valve and who better... If the question is, is there concern for Saquon Barkley? The concern extends as far as this. Is there any upside for this offense to find the end zone? They've scored a total of 23 points the past two weeks. And frankly, most of that was because the Cowboys were steamrolling them so bad last week that Mm -hmm. it was like the Cowboys backup defense by about the third quarter. That being said, his volume is still really good. He basically did not play last week in the fourth quarter. Just two snaps for Saquon Barkley. And he still has 33 touches over the past two weeks. He should be heavily involved as a runner. Of course, he should be heavily targeted as a receiver as he has at least three targets in every game this season. More than anything, Liz, like, so for fantasy purposes, I'm still starting Saquon. Like the volume is way too good to ignore. Mm -hmm. He's way too good to ignore. But like, I just feel bad for Saquon. Like every time he's in front of a microphone in front of the media, you can just tell it's like straining him to be going through this season. Not that other guys in the locker room are like having the time of their life sure. at two and eight, but man, after a weird off season in which I think Saquon probably told himself like, I'm going to place my faith into the organization. We're going to win again. I'm going to ball out again. I'm going to get paid. Instead, I'm thinking Saquon's probably wondering, like, what does my future look like beyond this year? Because uh, that entire Giants organization might be just pressing reset on the roster after this season if it continues to go the way that it has so far. ESPN FBI projects them to have the number one pick in the draft. That is interesting. It well, is interesting. Yeah. I'm going to say that probably this team is not going to draft a running back in the first round. You know what? I, I would I would hope yeah. they don't. Maybe um, that's a, that's, a that's, bit of a that's, my, that's like my very like strong stance on drafting a running back first overall. Here's my biggest concern with Saquon. Okay. I agree with you on the volume. Yeah. It was concerning that he only played two snaps in the fourth quarter of that, that blowout. Blow yeah. yeah. But would you believe me if I told you 
that Washington is favored by nine points. Washington, are, the commanders. However, and we can we can dive right into the yes. yes, but uh, they played them. They they actually played this to a fourteen seven game the last time around. So maybe maybe the the, the Giants just sort of like dig deep. Injuries we, since then for the Giants. Though. Yes, I mean, and just like a dilapidated franchise since then. So maybe it is going to be a blowout, Liz, but I don't know that it'll be like a 35-7 blowout where Saquon's out of the game in the fourth quarter. But we can talk about why Sam Howell has some appeal. Well, if Saquon is a lineup lock, yeah. regardless because of the volume, Sam Howell has earned a fantasy lineup lock. He He's has really been close. on fire. Wait, uh, three, over 300 yards. He's passed four for three straight weeks. Yep. Uh, an eight to two touchdown to interception radio, double digit rushing yards in each contest yep. over the last three weeks. Yep. You remember on FF like now, somebody yeah. said, Am I a psycho for wanting to start Sam Howell over Trevor Lawrence? Not no. a psycho. I mean, Liz, we knew you That's weren't a psycho. Crazy. For, yeah, no, no, no. Not <laughs> even half crazy. But yeah, Sam Howell is darn close. I've got him as quarterback 11. So just a couple spots mm-hmm. lower uh, than where you and the consensus ranks end up. But yeah, you mentioned all the important metrics. He has at least four to passing, 40 passing attempts in four straight games. Even that game against the Giants, when it was 14 to 7, they threw the ball more than 40 times. Uh, I don't, and I don't think it's because they can't run the ball or they don't try to run the ball either. Part of it might just be pacing, part of it might be because they often trail, but yeah, he is going to throw the ball a ton no matter who they are playing against. Unfortunately, though, Liz, I can't tell you that I know that means great things for Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, over his past five games, has exactly zero catches in two of them. 40% of the time, he's giving you zero for fantasy purposes. However, in the other three games, 26 targets. Just when it looked like we were back on the Jahan Dotson train going into last week. Yeah. He had a bagel in a game in Hurt. which the craziest game, well, a wild yeah. game against the Seahawks <laughs> in which they were throwing the ball all over the yard. Logan Thomas is catching passes and Antonio Gibson has his receiving touchdown. Very little Terry McLaurin and zero Jahan Dotson. So I'd love to tell you that Jahan Dotson is back. It's a great matchup. The Giants have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. I can't tell you that, though, because I don't know what to tell you about Jahan Dotson. Giants secondary is absolutely decimated with injuries. Again, Adoree Jackson, the whole thing. Jahan Dotson, I'm keeping the faith because even though Curtis Samuel's return, I think, kind of affected it. I still think Jahan Dotson's the talent tiebreaker. That seems like a potential red zone question. I don't know what it would be like 25 receiving yards more or less for Jahan Dotson because it hasn't been a great year. But if you're optimistic, Liz, that makes me feel more optimistic. We're going to continue and talk about the Buffalo Bills in just a couple of moments. Can you trust James Cook? One of the questions that I ask myself before I go to bed every single night. More on Fantasy Focus in just a moment. And we're back here on Fantasy Focus Field and Liz hanging out. It is time to discuss the Buffalo Bills. Liz, do you have any idea what the outlook is for James Cook? Have you tapped into the mind of Joe Brady? Well, if I had tapped into the mind of Joe Brady, I probably wouldn't have benched him when he fumbled. I would have let him play the game. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. However, he did bounce back very nicely. He did. From that uh, finger wagging, if you will. Um, Right now, James Cook is the RB6 in yards per touch averaging 5.8 yards per touch. Mm. The RB8 in YPR, 9.3. Now, we knew coming out of college he was an exceptional pass catcher, was actually running routes, not just like little dump-offs, right? So I think the fact that he's seen at least two catches in every game, except, my goodness, I think save three, and he's averaging 2.4 receptions per contest, Mm. leads me to believe that there are plenty of opportunities for a Bills team that likes to pass a lot while maintaining 
his advantage over Lamar uh, over Latavius Murray as the lead rusher. Yeah, so the numbers so far this year, you hit a lot of them. He's averaging 14 touches per game this season. Mm-hmm. He has just one game over 20. So while he's been a busy guy, he's never been much of a workhorse guy. He has also been immune to goal line carries. They just don't give him the football in go-to-go situations, in part because they have Josh Allen, who's got a rushing touchdown in seven of his last eight games. Also in part because they previously had Damian Harris. Now they have Latavius Murray as that sort of hammerhead at the goal line. Here's the question, though, is that there's a new offensive coordinator, and we have Mm, seen things change with coordinators. I mean, we've seen how the Raiders have shifted their offensive approach, right? It's been a lot more of Devontae Adams. They uh, have abandoned using the fullback so much that they have literally cut their fullback this morning. A guy who was a staple of their offense. One of the few fullbacks remaining in the NFL is gone by the wayside now. So the question will be, is this new fresh approach under Joe Brady going to include much more James Cook? So I ranked him as RB 25. Basically what I did was I ranked him how I would if there was no coordinator change, Liz, because while I hope the coordinator change sparks more James Cook upside and utilization, I can't count on that because it's been, what, a year and a half now of James Cook looking pretty good and not really being used as much as we would like him to be used within this offense that should 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 be very good. Well, if your objective is to make Josh Allen the best he can be yeah. and keep him out of trouble, whether it's interceptions or playing like his hair's on fire and potentially hurting himself like he did last year, right, moving out of the pocket too erratically, yep. then, and you have this... And maybe I'm wish casting here, but just stay with me. Do it. Please. And maybe you have this running back that can be utilized in a variety of ways that could also work as a safety valve and maybe fix some of those mistakes for Josh Allen. Is there an opportunity to lean in? I yeah. know we have to see it before we can believe it, but I feel like the potential there is greater than it was previously. I mean, I sure hope so. Like, this is just like, you know, I'm not going to go as far as like, you know, sort of like demanding something from Joe Brady. He's a much smarter guy than I am about football. That's for sure. But Joe, if you're watching, we'd love ourselves some more James Cook on Sunday. Uh, By the way, he does have two rushes inside the five yard line this season, but that's not many. That's not, I mean, that's not nearly enough for a player with uh, his capabilities even if he isn't that powerful of a back. And it's going to cap the the upside for James Cook if that continues to be the pace that he is on for the rest of this season. If we talk about Josh Allen's mistakes, yep. we can't really say the same for Stephon Diggs because he's probably the cleanest route runner in the league. He's been unbelievable yeah. all year. Last week was obviously an exception. He had just three catches for 34 yards and a season-low five targets. Here's a fun game, though, Liz. When was the last time the Jets allowed a receiver to score a touchdown? Week three. Week one. Okay. To Stefan Diggs. Ah, good call back. How about that? God, your so, memory. You, Field Yates' encyclopedia brain. I don't know your middle name, but it should be oh, Britannica. Oh, okay. I'll take that. It's Changing Minister, it. which, which is my mother's maiden name. Minister. Love it. Field yeah. Minister Yates yeah. prophetizing right now. Yeah, I don't even know what that word means, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> as a compliment, I think, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Speaking the truth. Um, so this is one of those like, what does it mean for fantasy football? It means that Stefan Diggs will be a couple spots lower than where he normally is in our rankings. A la Jamar Chase last night. You're still playing that player. You know, as we saw with Jamar last night, finding the end zone helps. Not every day the wide receiver that you love is going to be superhero, a superman, I should say. But Stefan Diggs, more often than not, has been that. And while the Jets defense is amazing, that week one matchup for Stefan Diggs, he was the only player in Buffalo mm-hmm. that it felt like kind of balled out for them that night. So. He'll still be obviously inside our top 10 for wide receivers. I got him as wide receiver six this week. Again, a couple spots lower than where he would normally be. 
but I ain't touching Gabe Davis. The girl, I'm just about to say that is not it for me, especially with the coordinator change. Yeah, yeah. And he is a, I don't like saying this about a player because I did see a couple of weeks ago an evolution in his deployment and frankly his skills, right? He wasn't just being used as a downfield target. Sure. Then of course, the next game, he lets a ball fly through his hands. We right. saw that too last to night or last week. Which led to an interception Correct. moreover. So um, in that first game, two catches for Gabe Davis. Uh, I, I just, I would I would be looking elsewhere. The floor to ceiling situation is too vast for me to want to There's enough evidence with. to do it even if he wasn't playing the Jets, that when you're playing the best secondary in the NFL, I just wouldn't tempt fate. I, I think that's Why perfectly, that makes yeah. sound sense. Brees Hall yep. continues to not just tempt fate, but tempt ceiling skimming fantasy managers who yeah. are very interested in all the upside that he, it's not even upside anymore though. When you are doing it on a week to week basis and you are ripping off long runs over 10, 15 yards regularly, then it doesn't become uh, upside and it becomes part of a, Wonderful skill set we get to take advantage of. He's kind of consistent now, yeah. too, over his past five games. 16, 20, 18, 17, and 25 touches. So within those 20-ish touches per game, he has at least 12 carries in every game and at least three catches in every game. So you're seeing consistent passing game utilization, plenty of rushing opportunities. And while I've said the stat 5,000 times over the past few weeks now that the Jets have only scored three offensive touchdowns over their past five games, all of them have been scored by Brees Hall. One was gift wrapped from the Eagles, but those other two big plays are kind of what makes Brees Hall tantalizing for fantasy purposes is that he's on the short list for most explosive running backs in the NFL, most prone to run for 50 yards and a touchdown on any given play. Incredible. He's awesome. Last note on the Jets. I think we should just mention Garrett Wilson. He's still a low-end wide receiver one for fantasy purposes in this matchup. And he is questionable to play. Robert Sala said earlier today that Wilson has a couple of hurdles to clear, but there is optimism. Um, If he doesn't play... I have no I, words. I don't know what Paul, so you're a Jets fan. Is there a wide receiver in the Jets that we should know besides Scare Wilson? He shakes his head no. Um, I saw Robert Sala also said today that, uh, that, that uh, Alan Lazard knows he needs to play better. Would you confirm? He confirms. All right, Paul's confirms that Lazard needs to play better as well because it has been uh, the Garrett Wilson show and nothing else for the Jets. But this Bills defense, with all those injuries, I mean, they just haven't been able to slow down anybody over the past month, basically. Well, the Tampa Bay Bucks run defense was able to slow down Derrick Henry last hey, week. Nicely done. There you go. Yeah. So we're talking about concerns. King Henry uh, stopped basically 11 carries for 24 yards, just yeah. one catch for negative four yards last week. A little bit concerning because the utilization has dipped and more over than that. I talked about this in Facts versus Feelings this week. Uh, what was so good about Derrick Henry or has been for fantasy purposes is his late season efficiency, right? Mm. It didn't wane. The mercury dropped. He continued to truck. Right. Hasn't been the case this season. And yeah. obviously the emergence potentially of Tajay Spears has negatively affected the, I think it's just lowered the floor. Yeah. I don't want to be too dramatic. It's lowered the floor. He's still one of the most anomalistic players in the league. He is. You know, it's, so I was thinking about this. Like I have Derrick Henry ranked as RB 11 this week. Okay. So this conversation in some ways to me is less pertinent to what it means for this week, Liz, and more about just where we're at with Derrick Henry and his career. Mm -hmm. As Derrick Henry is currently on pace for 280 rushes this year, that might be one of the top three or five in the entire NFL. And it's still, by the way, 69 fewer than last year and 98 fewer than the year prior. 
Derrick Henry thrived because of not just efficiency, but finding the end zone a ton. He's got just four rushing touchdowns this season and having a workload that was so far superior to every other runner in the game. We may have graduated to a new chapter of Derrick Henry's career. Makes sense given his age. Going to be 30 means, in yeah, January. Means he is no longer like a lock it in RB1 part of the conversation every single week, but instead a guy who's more around an RB2, maybe one day will trend towards a flex. All right, more thoughts in just a few moments here on Fantasy Focus, beginning with the Rams wide receivers. All right, let's do this. Liz Loza, Field Yates, hanging out with you, previewing week 11 on Fantasy Focus. And Liz, great news. Matthew Stafford is back. He is. He got healthy over his by thumb yes. issue. No longer apparently an issue now. We are optimistic that Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua can bounce back given the health and the the absence, if you will, the yeah. uh, goneness of Brett Rippon. Very much gone. And the last time we saw this Rams team play, they played against the Packers before their bye. Mm-hmm. They completed 13 passes. That's 13 passes in a game, yeah. Liz. That's not nearly enough, especially when you're a pass-heavy team with two of the best receivers in the NFL, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. If you're looking for optimism in this matchup specifically, we're a long ways away from week one, but... That was the most passing yards that Matthew Stafford had in a single game this season. He had 334 against Seattle all the way back in early September. He did not throw for a touchdown in that game, but this matters most for the two receivers. And as a matter of fact, we have Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup both inside our top 17. I've got Cup as wide receiver yep. eight, Puka Nakua as wide receiver 17 specifically. We have seen that both these guys are playing a ton and that they are just basically target funnels. They throw to two players in this entire offense, one named Cooper, one named Puka. Going to be hard for me to not have those guys in my lineup every week they are available. Cooper Cup has drawn seven targets at least since his week five debut. And um, also, shout out to Mike Clay's shadow report. The Seahawks are holding opposing receivers to 7.1 yards per target, fifth lowest right? on the season. Wow. And they haven't allowed a receiver to reach 17 fantasy points in a game since week three. We know that Cup's got a slot rate of 51%. Okay. So uh, you're saying to... things up for Cooper Cup. Well, I think it's I think it's difficult because he's going to see oh, the so, rookie so De- down, Devon Devon Nadalkello Witherspoon. There we go. Yes. Um, in this matchup, so I do think what I'm saying is I we are both ranking him aggressively because okay. of the volume and the talent. Right. Okay. Gotcha. I don't want to dismiss the matchup. Okay. Gotcha. So be wary of it. Correct. But so what are you elsewhere, do about it? well, you're going to probably reach for a high a high ceiling flex. There you go. Right. Okay. Like yeah, this is not yep. if you are going to start Cooper Cup because you believe in Cooper Cup and you believe that everything will be the ship will be righted post by. Sure. You also have to be realistic and maybe brace. Or a dip. And if you're going to do that, then adjust your lineup accordingly. Seems to be one of the themes this week with these wide receivers then, right? Between yeah. Diggs against the Jets and Jamar Chase going last night up against the Bengals. Uh, maybe the it'll Ravens. all be a wash and it'll all, you know, that work itself awesome. out I'd mathematically. I'd take 25 points from Cooper Cup this weekend. I would not complain one bit about it. In that same matchup, we've yeah. got Kenneth Walker uh, for Seattle facing the Rams. Uh, under 50% snap share in three straight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Charbonnet isn't doing anything for fantasy managers, but he for fantasy managers of himself, but yeah. he is his presence is growing, and it is maybe negatively affecting Walker. Now the matchup last week obviously allowed Walker to put up some points and some production. Yeah, Rams different story. It's just a I think it's just a kind of a reminder of the profile for Kenneth Walker the third in fantasy is that he is a rush heavy, pass light mm-hmm. 
touchdown dependent exactly RB2 one or one, right? In three games yeah, exactly point. one yeah. in three straight games. And he has not scored a rushing touchdown in four straight games. So you can look at that as one of two ways. In a rut, will that continue? Or is he due? Is he due for a rushing touchdown on Sunday against the Rams? But the Rams have been a tough oh. matchup this year, as you mentioned, against opposing running backs. I still have him in my top 10, Liz, but we would like to see the Kenneth Walker III that we saw at the beginning of the season find his footing once again. I don't like to always rely upon like cliches like, you know, you got to run the football when it gets to January and there's AFC North weather. But if there is one coach who makes Ah. me feel like you do just want to kind of commit to the run down the stretch when the playoff stakes are in sight, it's probably Pete Carroll. Right, The guy's been doing this forever, and we know that Pete Carroll would love to just pound the ball 40 times per game if he could. So I'm hoping that Kenneth Walker III finds his early season role, mm-hmm. utilization, in the end zone at least once on Sunday. Also tight game. Uh, the Rams are only one-point favorites, so it could be a decent Playing amount of back so and forth here. Hmm, that'll be an interesting one. Rashad White has benefited. We knew yeah. we weren't going to get efficiency out of him, right? We, we were, were not, pretty. Yeah. We were pretty... Uh, realistic about that but yeah. we really were hopeful that we would get some volume girl we have Liz he just keeps holding everybody yep. else off right so over the past two games he has 48 touches Ugh. this is probably hyperbole but he has to have what top three top five fantasy role in the league now what he does with that role is a different story right there's a reason why we're not ranking him as like sure. RB3 or 5 But how many players on a weekly basis are a better bet in your book to have at least 15 carries and five catches? I I, got to figure Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, maybe Travis Etienne. He's not catching the ball that much. But not many more besides that, Liz. Not many more besides that. Not B. John Robinson these days. Now, White's not doing as much with it. He has 40 carries for 124 yards over his past uh, two games, but the role is just too good to ignore. He's been one of the better values in fantasy this year. Every week we say it. Now it's a it's a tough matchup against San Francisco. San Francisco was one of those teams that, in some ways, you'd be wise to just not bother th- running the football against them at all. But Rashad White, such a factor in the passing game, Liz, That's that it. if he gets seven targets in this game, wouldn't surprise me a bit. Not a bit. He's running twenty two routes a game. 22 routes with like 20 rushing attempts yeah. per game. If he sees a target share that's like 15 to 18%, you're totally fine with Top that. Top three in catches. Yeah. Uh, this Top is, three in catches. That's right. Yeah. So he's going to continue to be an RB2 even in this matchup. That's. I mean, his, his usage is just ridiculous. His low week in terms of touches over the past four is 16. The guy is, he is, if you met him, if you were to like look at all the running backs that you expect to have like 25 plus touches per game, I guess Austin Eckler would be the one that kind of like looks different because he's pint sized, just jack. Pound for pound. Yes. Uh, but like, you know, you see these like bruising backs that have these huge workloads. And then you see Rashad White, who is not like a particularly physically imposing player, but just solid, not, not solid, spectacular role, even with poor efficiency this year. Are there any thoughts about the receivers in stardom? Yep. All of them. Chris Godwin's probably he's a little due. bit. He's a little bit banged up. Though. He, uh, Godwin, I think, was sick last week, and I think he's managing something this week. But I think he's fine. No mm-hmm. major indications uh, that's going to be like impacted by it. But teams just throw the ball against San Francisco because they can't run it. They just throw it instead. So 
Starting both, Mike Evans has been unbelievable. Fountain of youth stuff this year for Mike Evans, bound for yet another 1,000-yard season. Pulse just texted me something important right now. I'll tell you in a moment. I will tell you that the Buccaneers are 11.5-point underdogs. Ooh. So if we're looking for a high passing effort yep. from Baker Mayfield, then we are going to get it. Of course, yeah. you know, he's got the 49ers front to contend with at the same time. By the way, the 49ers have allowed the eighth most targets per game to opposing running backs in part because teams are like, we're not going to run the ball with yeah, these guys. Yeah. We'll just throw it instead. So players should benefit specifically Rashad white. I mean, the players behind Rashad white Keyshawn Vaughn, he's been like a healthy scratch recently. Chase Edmonds, not a major factor. Mm-hmm. Sean Tucker, our guy Jackson Sean Tucker from Syracuse has not had our much guy. of a role. He's <laughs> okay. just just not just not happening. It is the Rashad White show in Tampa Bay. He just keeps holding them off. Absolutely. Yep. All right, so Liz, we're going to get back here in just a moment and wrap up this show with a heart, with uh, our starts of the week. We'll be back with uh, the players that you must be starting in just one moment after this. Back here on Fantasy Focus and we're going to wrap things up here Liz. By the way, exemplary work from you no surprise but just total rock star effort here with our starts of the week while mine is listed first i'm going to defer to you because ladies first okay start of the week this is the player that you're saying i got a feeling on him let me have it who you got we talked a lot about running backs yep this week which was lovely because usually that's a position that's so volatile and so frustrating and yet I am wanting to start Brian Robinson. All right. No, I don't have him ranked inside my top 15, but if you're looking for a solid running back too, I think that he has a nice amount of upside. He's coming off of a single digit tote total, just eight carries for 38 rushing yards at Seattle, but a career receiving day. Uh, He reeled in all six of his. I also love that kind of efficiency. When a running back can catch every single one of their targets, I feel like that is... um, a confidence booster in not just the player, but also the coaching staff and allowing for more opportunities in the passing game. So all six of those looks for 118 yards and a touchdown. The last time Robinson faced the Giants, this was back in week seven, he managed just eight carries, but Washington lost that game seven to 14 as we talked earlier. I don't think given the injuries that the Giants have suffered that Washington will be the loser this go around. Vegas doesn't either. Yeah. Given the spread, right. So um, I really like his opportunity here and I think he's going to be a great start. I have double digit touches and top 20 ish. There you go. Start of the week from Liz Loza is Brian Robinson. I got Devin Singletary to wrap up the show here. I think Damian Pierce will sit out again for the Mm -hmm. Texans. Missed his second straight practice yesterday. Meanwhile, Singletary had 30 rushing attempts last week in the Texans. Very impressive win over Cincinnati. Moreover, they play the Cardinals, one of three teams to surrender more than 20 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs between the expected rush load from Devin Singletary, the fact that it's a great matchup, and he saw no passing game utilization last week. If he sees just a little bit, all that should add up to another productive week here for Devin Singletary. He is my start of the week for week 11. Wouldn't surprise me if he finds the end zone again for the Houston Texans. Two under-the-radar-ish running backs yeah. coming off of career efforts. Look at that. Look at us just totally like grabbing the low-hanging fruit. There we go. Uh, Liz Loza, outstanding job from you Thank today. You, Let's do it again you. on Monday, will you? I'll be back. There you have Still it. Here. Uh, Liz Loza back on Monday. Check out Fantasy Football Now Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2 all the way until kickoff at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. For Liz and Stefania, I am Field. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. Happy birthday, Daniel.
secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you, Alliance fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you. 